Welcome back. Um, this podcast, we're going to be talking about the Ketty Cabin murders. Yeah, kind of gruesome murders, man. Yeah, it's kind of messed up. No answers, really. I mean... Well, they have answers. They um, just don't want to believe it. Yeah, there's good suspects. Definitely people that I'm 99% sure did it, but... I think they're dead now, too. They are dead, still. so, you know, I mean, it's just sad that the families of these people can't get uh, closure what happened and it's it hits home because it's something that can happen to any of us really yeah I mean, if you think about it <clears throat> yeah so but I a lot of people have done podcasts on these I, I say you should watch and listen to all of them we all bring something a little different our own little spin on it and yeah. our own uh, thoughts and stuff on it but it's definitely an interesting case yeah I think even um, somebody that we watch on YouTube actually went to the Ketty Cabin Resort, but the the uh, this cabin's not there anymore. No, it was rubble, actually. But the, the interesting thing was they went to the neighbor's um, cabin that was close to, it was, I guess, it was close to that, that yeah, cabin. Yeah, and they found stuff in it. Yeah. So, yeah, look it up on YouTube, too. There's some interesting stuff there. I, 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 felt, I found the uh, tour to be helpful, to be honest, to kind of see the layout of where the cabin... Would have been, yeah. Why did we tear it down? Well, they tore it down because um, nobody would really, like, rent it after that. So, it kind of just, like, stood there. And people kept trying to go into it and look around because of the whole could-be-a-haunted thing. Yeah. Um, so, they kept breaking into it. So, um, and it was disrupting the people that still live there because there are people that still live there. Yeah, but any evidence that would have been there... Is gone. I mean, it's gone. But the thing is, is that they were disrupting people that lived there. And they were, you know, going in there and doing shit. So, they are like, well, we're just going to fix this. We'll just tear it down. Because after this, nobody wanted to live there. Yeah, I guess. Because it was already, it was already like low rent housing. Yeah, and it's a small community. So, you know what happened in there. And you know probably who did it. Right. So it's a, it's it's a little disturbing but interesting. Yes. Okay, the uh, Ketty Cabin murders are an unsolved 1981 quadruple homicide in Ketty, California. It was a rural rural resort town in the Sierra. Lord have mercy, the Sierra Nevada. That took a minute to get out. The victims were Glenna Susan or Sue Sharp, her son John Stephen Sharp, daughter Tina Lynn Sharp, and John's friend Dana Hall Wingate. Um, the murders took place in Cabin 28 of the Ketty Cabin Resort during the late evening of April 11th, 1981, or possibly early the following morning. Um, the bodies of Sue, John, and Dana were found on the morning of April 12th by Sue's 14-year-old daughter, Sheila. Sue's two younger sons, Rick and Greg, as well as their friend Justin Smart, were also in the house but were unharmed. Tina, at that time, was missing from the scene. Now, can you imagine that 14-year-old walking in there and seeing that? It'd be horrifying. And then why the hell... You got three more people in the house. Why weren't they touched? Right. As, I mean, yeah, obviously, I think we'll get into, you know, like how the house was entered and all that. But obviously, they kind of knew who the attackers were. And yes. I have a feeling that the attackers knew how many people were there and who they were going after and who they were not. Because they did try to evacuate some. Well, here's the thing. If, you, if they knew who she was, they knew how many kids she had. She had five kids. So, you know, potentially, there's three other kids in the house. Four. It'd be four. My bad. Before the kids in the house. The two girls and the two youngest boys. So, you know they're supposed to be there. If you're taking Tina out, why are you not taking care of the two youngest boys? And like you said, it's a small community. I think Sue was kind of down on her luck financially. Was able to get... The, um, the cabin, because by the time she got it, they had taken it to lower... Because it was a failed resort. Was, yeah, I mean, the, because the area was so small, um, there wasn't, like, a whole lot of money coming in, so they thought they would take this and turn it into a resort. didn't work, so they made it lower income. And 
the only reason she was low income is because she was she moved from across the country from an abusive husband with five kids. And when she originally came to California, she was living with her brother. And then found this cabin, which was way too small for five people. I think Sue shared a bedroom with the two girls. And then the, th- uh, the two youngest boys had a bedroom. And then the oldest boy um, stayed in the basement room. Which is weird, because you couldn't access the basement room from inside the cabin. Yeah, it was like a cellar, right? It was like, it was a basement room, but it had a back door leading out. So, he had, like, if he wanted to access the main house, and when you see pictures, you see a door with stairs, and then another door. Um, So, he would have to come out his door, go up the steps, and go into the cabin. Which is weird, because most houses with basements, the basements connect to the rest of the house. They're stairs. Nowadays, but back then it was a little different. Well, yeah, it was early 80s, so maybe, I don't know. Um, Tina remained a missing person until April of 1984, when her skull and several other bones were recovered at um, Camp 18, California, near Feather Falls in Butte County. Which, her story is kind of weird. There were some ominous things kind of said surrounding her disappearance. and then, Like she was the target the whole time. Right. Um, that was a theory. Um, just and, and just the timeline of when she was ushered out of the house or when she was taken. Mm-hmm. You know, what did she really see? Um, that lends a little bit more mystery to this whole... Right, right. Um, there were multiple leads and suspects were... Um, examined in the intervening years though to this day no charges have been filed and I think that the the head cop the chief or whatever he is now was actually friends with one of the suspects right? with, no he was friends with the oldest son oh okay and they were friends when they were younger but the the sheriff, the sheriff now but the sheriff then was friends with the supposed suspect and that's why they think it didn't go anywhere. Because it was that whole good old boy thing. Um, sheriffs in Plumas County would state that the um, in- initial investigation was disorganized and poorly conducted, resulting in the overlooking of critical evidence. I believe that. Yeah, oh yeah absolutely. Um, Several new leads have actually been announced in the 21st century, including the discovery of a hammer in a pond in 2016, as well as announcements regarding the discovery of new DNA evidence. So they have new stuff. It's probably, it's not gone anywhere yet. So we'll see. Some background on the family. Um, In the fall of 1980, Sue Sharp, along with her five children, like we said, left their home in Connecticut after separating from her husband, James Sharp. And like I said, she relocated because he was very abusive. So she just took the kids and she's like, fuck you all, see you later. God damn, can you imagine that fucking road trip? Jesus from Christ. Connecticut to California. fucking kids. Shut up. I would lose my mind. Jiminy Chris, I can't, I mean, just doing that with another person, that other person's going to get on your nerves eventually. I mean, you can imagine you got five uh, little nerve rattlers right there. That's. I mean, just think about now, when we go I might. I, I, might be, I might commit abuse. Yeah, just think about now, with our youngest, in the car for more than an hour, if she's not asleep, she's driving everybody crazy. Whew, love her to death, but, oh my God. Are we there yet? How much longer? When are right. we getting there? Are we there yet? It's like, oh my God, we'll be there when we're there. Shut up. Right. That's where we're heading. And that that would have to take at least a week. It would. And it, I can't imagine she had like the nicest vehicle with well, all it was the probably, it, You know, it probably looked like I'm picturing the Brady Mobile. And it, hey, this is a, this honestly, if I may say, is a strong woman. Oh, I mean, well, yeah. To be able to pick up and leave like yeah, that. Yeah, she decided I ain't doing this shit anymore. Come on, kids. With we're gonna five go. kids. We're going to figure it out when we get there. Yeah, because she just moved with her brother. Yeah. Uh, that must have been a really bad fucking situation. Yeah. Yeah, because I think they went someplace. And he must have been really bad to say, we need to go across country. Yeah. I think she stayed for a while after the separation, but just kept getting bad. So she's like, uh, screw you guys. I'm going to my brother who lives in California. 
Um, and it's just, it's, oh. Um, and like I said, she decided to re relocate to Northern California where her brother Don was resigning at the time. So she went where there was a support system um, to help with the kids. I mean, you're, if something like that, you're going to want to go to family. And he could have been the only one left, and that's why she had to go clear across the country. Or maybe she just really wanted to put that much distance between her and her husband. Upon arriving in California, um, she began renting cabin 28 at the Ketty Resort in the Royal Sierra Nevada community of Ketty. I don't think that she went there right off the bat. I think she stayed with her brother for a little bit before she could find something. <clears throat> because, like I said, she got five kids. She doesn't have a whole lot of money. So that's what she could find at the time. Well, like I said, a very strong woman to make it work. Mm hmm you know, hey, look, this is what we got, so it's got to work. Yeah, and the kids were happy. I mean, they were all happy. So, I mean, they didn't really, I mean, they didn't have a lot of money, but what they had. They made it but, work. Yeah, they made it work. They were happy with what they had. And I guess coming from the situation you were in, you'd be happy in a tin box. Right. Um... In this cabin, she um, lived with her five children, her 15-year-old son, John, 14-year-old daughter, Sheila, 12-year-old daughter, Tina, and her two younger sons, Rick, 10, and Greg, 5. I would lose my mind. That's a lot of fucking kids. And pretty close together. I would lose it. On April 11th of 1981, around 1.30 p.m., Sue and Sheila drove from Ketty to pick John and his friend Dana Hall Wingate up from um, Gansover Dancer Park in Quincy, California, and brought them back to Ketty, which was about a five-mile distance between the two. Um, two hours later, around 3.30, uh, John and Dana hitchhiked back to Quincy, which... Sue's like, yeah, you can go back as long as you don't hitchhike. Sure. Yeah, we'll break the rule. So the they hitchhiked. The one rule. Um, or, kids. <clears throat> I know. But, I mean, think about it. Then hitchhiking was still okay. I mean, sure. Was it Robert Ben Rhodes? Well, yeah, okay. you had Robert Ben Rhodes, but they were two boys. So, But you, you did have your serial killers that preferred boys. But maybe since it was such a small area, they thought they'd be okay. Um, and that turns out, I mean, they were. They didn't die hitchhiking. Um, and they said they went back to Quincy because they had plans to visit friends and hang out with friends for a while. Drugs. More than likely, because I think um, Dana had drug connections or something. I mean, something. at that time, pot was a big deal. Now it's not a big deal. It shouldn't have been a big deal then, either. Around this time, uh, the two were actually seen in the city's downtown area to help build a timeline. So they were seen. Um, a local woman, Donna Williams, claimed to have picked up the boys in front of a tire store and given them a ride down the road to another friend's home. The two were later seen attending a party at Oakland Camp in Quincy. That same evening, Sheila had plans to... Um, Spend the night with the Seabolt family, who lived in an adjacent cabin. That's the cabin that they went into in the documentary. <coughs> Is that the one? That's the one. Because that's not, like, right directly in front of them. It would be, like, the cabin in front of them and to, like, the right or left. Yeah, right? So it's a corner, yeah. Um, Sue remained home with Rick and Greg and the boys' young friend, Justin Smart. And Tina, at this time, is actually at the Seabolt family's house. Because she was friends with the kids, too. But she came home and Sheila went over to spend the night. Um, Sheila departed their home shortly after 8 p.m., leaving her mother alone with the younger kids. Um, Tina, who had been watching television with the Seabolts, returned home to the cabin around 9.30 after Sheila arrived to spend the night. So that's times where everybody's seen doing stuff, I guess. <coughs> Around 7 a.m. Um, on the morning of April 12th, Sheila returned home and discovered the dead bodies of Sue, John, and Dana in the cabin's living room. All three 
had been bound with adhesive tape and wires. And I think the wires ended up being like uh, stuff pulled out of the TV, like extension cords, phone wire, that so kind of wire. Sounds like it would be kind of impromptu, right? It's well, not like you're planning on doing it because you would have brought stuff if that's what you were going to do. If that's the case, the hammer that was supposed to be one of the, mur- the, the murder weapons, they would have gotten there. But this hammer was supposed to have been brought with them because the hammer wasn't well, maybe, left at the scene. Maybe they didn't expect to have all that all those people there. And I think they brought the tape too. Yeah, I, I think they did, but I didn't. I don't think like. Just, I don't think they had that. Yeah, I think the because it was not just adhesive tape; it was like medical tape, wasn't it? And because they found it all over the place, and I think they brought what they thought would be enough tape for one person, but there ended up being two other people in the room. Therefore, we got to use. We got to use whatever's handy. Um, Tina at that time was absent from the home while the three younger children, uh, Rick, Greg, and Justin, were unharmed in an adjacent bedroom. So those three boys... One being a neighbor kid. Yeah. (coughs) He was the neighbor kid, but they had been in the bedroom watching TV all night. So definitely, if it's someone they know, it's someone who's fond of the boys. Or don't want to be recognized by them. Well, Right. Um, initial reports stated that the three young boys had slept through the incident, which I don't. That's a lot to sleep through. Right. Um, though this was later contradicted. Upon discovering the scene, Sheila rushed back to the Seabolt's cabin, whereupon James Seabolt retrieved Rick, Greg, and Justin through the bedroom window. But first... He admitted to briefly entering the cabin through the back door to see if anyone was still alive. Well, that's kind of fucking weird, don't you think? <coughs> Not really, because he knows... I don't know. Seems weird. I mean, he's contaminating the scene. Yeah, but why wouldn't you just say from but, the beginning? Look, I did walk in because... Right. I, I don't think he... He admitted to going in there, so he could have actually went in there to make sure the three that Sheila said were dead were dead. So he could have been going in there to check for if they were still alive or not. If somebody was in the house or if the boys were okay. Because Sheila hadn't seen the boys. She just went in and seen her mom, her brother, and her brother's friend. Okay. But still, (laughs) well, it's the early 80s too, so you don't think about contaminating evidence. Well, you're right, actually. I mean, you're just going to go in there and look. You don't think, they didn't have all that stuff. Now you think about it more because... Yeah, because now... Even trace DNA from a shirt can put you as a potential suspect at a murder scene. Um, the murders of Sue, John, and Dana were notably vicious. Two bloodied knives and one hammer were found at the scene. And the knife was broke bent in or half. Bent in half, yeah. It was bent in half. And like, in that sense, one of the knives, a steak knife later determined to have been used in the murders, had actually been bent in half due to the force. So. You stabbed through a motherfucker to the floor <laughs> and it and bent. bit. So that seems like a rage. Yeah. The stab yeah. that fucking hard. Yeah. Well, the whole damn thing, once you hear, you got, you hear about this, it, it all seems rage, personal, just driven that way. Yeah, it does like, seem personal. Yeah, and rage. Just, I mean, if, you're, if, if it was an accident, it wouldn't have went down this way. If it was a professional hit, it wouldn't have went down this way. If it was just something like over a bad deal, it wouldn't have went down this way. This seems like you've really done something. And there was no um, evidence of forced entry, so right. Sue knew. Which would, would justify the whole raid. <laughs> I mean, they could have came in the back door because the back door was always left unlocked for John to come up and down. So he didn't have to wait for somebody to unlock the back door. So someone might have known that. Yeah, so I mean... There's that, but still, odds are, since the three boys in the back didn't react to somebody in the house, yeah, makes sense. they knew who it was. No. That's the only explanation. They knew who it was. Um, blood splatter evidence from inside the house indicated that the murders of Sue, John, and Dana had all taken place in the living room. You know you need it, right? Dexter. Oh, yeah, you need Dexter. Dexter to figure this shit out. Dexter to figure this shit out, and And whoever did it would be floating down the river. Right. Or, no, actually, there's an ocean right there, so he'd just dump him in a current. Sue was discovered laying on her side near the living room sofa, nude from the waist down, and gagged with a blue bandana and her own panties, which had been secured with tape. 
now. Now, the other thing, too, <coughs> she was tied with the wires, and it was extremely It was tight very tight. Compared to the boys, which yeah. you would think, that's who, because they were teenage boys, which two teenage boys, I mean, one teenage boy, not that hard to overcome. Two, you're going to have a fight on your hands. It depends. They weren't very big boys. But my point is, to me, I'm not a professional investigator, but... That tells me is that boys weren't gagged, correct? I think they had their mouths were taped. Okay, but they didn't have anything stuffed in them, so I don't think so. For one, nude from the waist down, obviously to because there wasn't any signs of rape or anything. No, there was no um, there was no signs of sexual assault. So that's done to humiliate the humiliate, victim. and then you must have said something or, or rebuffed somebody or did something so this is the object of my aggression is your mouth Mm -hmm. so I'm going to take care of that by stuffing your own fucking nasty panties in your mouth I'm going to tape them in there and then I'm going to tie you up tight with this wire and make you suffer because I think her hands were actually so tight that her hands changed color not due to being dead but due to blood loss prior yeah they can they can determine that from yeah because <clears throat> we saw, I mean, I saw some pictures. Her hands were purple because they were so tight. Um, she had been stabbed in the chest. Her throat was slashed. And on the side of her head was an imprint matching the butt of a Daisy 880 BB gun. So they tortured her a little bit, too. Yeah. Uh, John's throat was slashed. And quick, I think that's all he suffered. Quick kill. Quick kill. Dana had multiple head injuries and had been manually strangled. Did they say what order they died in? No. Because to me, if... If it's about her, I would say you're gonna, you're gonna slash the son's throat in front of her, probably kill the friend, and then her. Yeah, because you want her to suffer mentally. And then you may have even... Emotionally. Right. And physically. And then you may have even shown her... Because this is more, this is a more than one person job. This had to be a two person job. So, you probably even show her guy two taking Tina out of the house. Now see that's the interesting thing too. That was another theory. Why did they take Tina and not kill her there? Why did they take her and then kill her later? Wasn't one of the stories that Tina was messing around with an older guy yeah. and was pregnant and that's why they came to get her? Right. Still doesn't explain why you would have all this personal rage against the mom. Well, yeah. Because that would be a quick kill. So if that's a theory, I don't buy that theory. I think that they saw opportunity um, with the little girl. Probably. As sick as it is. Um, all three victims had blunt force trauma to their heads caused by a hammer or hammers. Hammers. So if there's two, you probably had more than one hammer. Autopsies determined that they had died from the knife wounds and the blunt force trauma. And the BB gun was obviously supposed to look like a real gun. Well, yeah, they probably, yeah. Because if you're not familiar, a BB gun, I think at the time, actually looked like a real gun. And I don't know, like, it doesn't say if it was a rifle or a handgun, because I knew you could get BB guns in both. Try that shit now. People want to take the BB gun from you and beat you with it. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's pretty obvious. They had, to, I think there was a law or something. They had to make a BB gun look like a BB gun. Right. Um... Sheila and the Seabolt family heard no commotion during the night because they're like really close. A couple living nearby were awakened around 1.30 a.m. by what sounded like muffled screaming. Makes sense. Uh, but they couldn't say where it was coming from. Well, we know because we found it. Yeah, now we know. Tina's jacket, shoes, and a shoe box containing various tools were missing from the cabin that's which surprise. showed no indication of forced entry. Now, the shoe box was like a little treasure box for Tina. Everything that, you know, she had little knickknacks and stuff that was important to her, little mementos and stuff in the shoe box. So, that's kind of important. And everybody made a big deal about the fact that that shoe box was missing. And um, when they found these bodies, um, they called Sue's brother to come in and also identify. Because I don't think they wanted Sheila going back in there and looking, so they called the brother. And the crime scene was so bad that he went in there, came out, and threw up everywhere. Yeah. Oh, and had to horrific. force himself to go back in there. Yeah, that sounds horrific. Uh, yeah, I just, I can't imagine. 
um, an unidentified fingerprint was found on a handrail on the stairs leading to the cabin's back door. So it doesn't say if the fingerprint was indicating that they were going up the back steps or down the back steps. Because I think the placement of the finger would be different for both, right? <clears throat> and I guess the hand, too. Um, but can, I don't know if you can tell which hand a fingerprint comes from. Uh, the cabin's telephone had been left off the hook, its lights were off, and the drapes were closed. Suspects interviewed included a man who disappeared um, from Ketty shortly after the murders and was later found in Oregon. After submitting to a polygraph examination, the suspect was cleared. Honestly, lie detector tests aren't that reliable, but, I mean, if you get no blips at all... Like, what's going to be his motive, though? I mean, that doesn't sound like... Could have been like a robbery gone wrong. You could have Maybe, been like some... But it's, like I said, what I come back to, it's very... That, that murder of Sue is very personal. And it could have just been that he left shortly after it happened and that looked suspect, so you gotta question him. One of the Sharps' neighbors, Marilyn Smart, Justin's mother, the, the little boy that was spending the night, later claimed she had found a bloody jacket belonging to Tina in her basement and had turned it over to the police. Though, of course, no, no record yeah. exists of this coat. Yeah, what it just, to that? It disappeared into bloody thin yeah. air. Her husband, Martin Smart, also claimed that a claw hammer that had inexplicably gone missing from his house. Sure. And it's the yeah. type of claw hammer that was used to cause the blunt force trauma. Yeah, yeah. So someone just stole your hammer. Like, yeah. they had access to everything else, but it was the hammer they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he made sure to say, hey, my, sh my hammer went missing. Yeah, just what let did, you guys know that. We why? didn't even know you had a hammer, sir. Yeah, so... Uh, well, just in case you was wondering if I had one and then it's not here, why it's not here, but now you know that I had one and that someone stole it, but not my other stuff. Yeah, it's just, why would you volunteer that information? You're fucking guilty. Right there. Guilty. Yeah. What's this polygraph? Yeah, I don't think he took one. Uh, Plumas County Sheriff Doug Thomas, who was um, head of the case, later stated that Martin had provided endless clues in the case that seemed to throw the suspicion away from him. Oh, I bet. I bet. In addition to interviewing the Smarts, Detective interviewed numerous other locals and neighbors, several including members of the Seabolt family. Uh, they recalled seeing an unknown green van parked at the Sharps cab cabin around 9 p.m. Oh, yeah, but didn't Mark's friend have a... Uh... Well, that van could have also been a van dropping the boys off. Could have. Which, I guess that's a theory, too, uh, that, you know, drug deal going wrong. And they come back to take revenge. Well, but they why, tried. Why point all the rage? Well, at... they, I mean, one of the many rumors that were flying around was that Sue was involved in drugs, but they found absolutely zilch evidence wise to support that theory. And rumor. Oh, I, there's no doubt in my mind she probably smoked a little weed. Jesus well, no, that she was actually, kids. she was selling drugs and she was, you know, like a drug dealer, but there was nothing there to support that at all. Um, others recalled noticing a brown Dastin parked at the residence that evening, which appeared to have a tire that was going flat. Justin um, gave conflicting stories of the evening, including that he had dreamt details of the murder, though he later claimed to have actually witnessed them. So he's a little boy. He's going to say, I had a dream that this happened because he may have thought he would get in trouble. Or he may have thought that if I say this, the person that did it, it's going to kill me next. And what's Justin's last name? Justin, it was um, Smart, was it? I so, think. wasn't Sue helping, um, I forgot her name now, his mother? Yes. With trying to leave her husband? Yeah, I guess her husband, um, and I don't think, I don't think the husband was the little boy's dad. I think it was a stepdad. But he was a very, very abusive, and um, and Sue being through Sue this. Sue being through this was because that woman was coming to her, talking to her, and Sue was just giving advice, and 
Yeah, because she had just been through it. So she's like, this is what I did. This is what you could do and that kind of stuff. And it probably got back to him and pissed him off something terrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. There's your motive. Plus, yeah. it's her mouth. That gets covered because her mouth was running. Right. Um, and it just so happens that his son and the two little boys didn't get touched. At all. So, if you're in there to murder somebody, because obviously they had to see something if you escorted the girl out of there. Unless the girl was meant to be escorted out, too. Like, that could have been... Part of it? Part of it. Like, she was part of it? Like, I don't think she was part of the killings, but I think she was part of the reason why they were there, maybe, possibly. In his later account of events, um, that told under hypnosis, he claimed to have heard sounds coming from the living room while watching television in the bedroom with Rick and Greg. He said, um, upon looking into the sounds, he saw Sue with two men, one with a mustache and short hair, the other clean-shaven, with long hair. Both of them had glasses on. According to Justin, John and Dana then entered the home and began heatedly arguing with the men. That sounds right. So, like you said, they come prepared for one murder, two more people show up, and now you got three. Sounds about right. Um, a fight ensued, after which Tina entered the room and was taken out of the cabin's back door by one of the men. She heard the sounds and she came in and asked what was going on. Um, based on Justin's descriptions, composite sketches of the two unknown men were produced by a forensic artist. Uh, they were described as being in their late 20s to early 30s. One stood between 5 feet 11 inches to 6 feet 2 inches. With dark blonde hair and the other between 5 foot 6 inches and 5 foot 10 inches with black greased hair. Both were gold framed sunglasses. Um, And like we said a little bit ago that it was thought to be drug related but no evidence was found to support this. About 4,000 man hours were spent working the case um, which Thomas described as frustrating. In December of 1983, detectives ruled out serial killers Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole as potential suspects. Henry Lee Lucas, who was that? He was the one who tried to take responsibility for a bunch of murders. Remember, he was oh, in jail. Oh, yes, okay. And the reward was cheeseburgers and milkshakes. Yeah, he kept talking. They yeah. kept feeding him cheeseburgers and milkshakes it, and all the cigarettes. It was determined. We'll do one on him. It was determined, though, that he did do some murders, but it was But wasn't. not, because he admitted and to what? A, yeah, and he had a homosexual partner in prison. <coughs> he was trying to get a boob job or some shit. It, I mean, yeah, it was. he did do some stuff, but he was trying to take credit for like 200, 300 murders or something like that, wasn't he? Yeah, he was trying to trying to make himself sound like this prolific serial killer. And really, when I think when he ended up, he didn't really even have that high of a body count. And I think it, too, was that sad, um, really. people were paying attention to him and talking to him. And that's yeah. why he kept saying this stuff. Because a lot of the stuff was he was just getting from, like, photos and stuff. Tina <clears throat> was believed to have been abducted from the crime scene. Her disappearance was initially investigated by the FBI... Though it was um, reported on April 29th of 1981 that the FBI had backed off the search as the Department of Justice was doing an adequate job and made the FBI's presence unnecessary, which means... So adequate that they ended, they ended up finding her phones. That's Not in 81. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. An adequate job would have meant they would have... They found something, but right. they didn't. And it was probably kind of like... Because um, you know how some small areas get when the FBI comes in. Right. They got started getting all pissy, and the FBI's like, well, we'll back off until something's actually found. And then we'll come back. Um, they did a grid pattern search of the area covering a five-mile radius around the cabin. Um, it was conducted with police canines, but the efforts were fruitless. On April 22nd of 1984, three years and 11 days after the murders and Tina's disappearance, a bottle collector discovered a cranium portion of a human skull and part of a mandible. What's the mandible? That's your jaw. Um, at, a can- at Camp 18 near Feather Falls in neighboring Butte County, a distance of roughly 100 miles from Ketty. Now, I do remember in some of the research, <clears throat> it was the friend of 
what's her what's her name's husband? Well, I'm gonna say I think I yeah. say who they are. Um, I think it all started where. But actually, it was that he had taken her and stashed her somewhere. Yeah, and it all started. They're saying that the whole thing started because, um, of course, I think her name was Sheila. Um, they were going to a bar. Her, her husband, and her husband's friend were going to the bar, and they're like, "Hey, let's invite Sue." And she told him, "Look, Sue's not going to want to come." And which is, of course, what happened. And then they got all pissy and argumentative, and went and got drunk and she went home and they were trying to say that she was the alibi that they were there the whole night and she's like uh, no you weren't <laughs> you know uh oh there we go shortly after announcing the discovery uh butte county sheriff's office received an anonymous call that identified the remains as belonging to tina but the call of course was not documented in the case so that's two pieces of evidence at least. A recording of this call was found at the bottom of an evidence box at some point after 2013, but the deputy who was assigned by the deputy who was assigned to the case. Um, the remains were confirmed by a forensic pathologist to be those of Tina Sharp in June 1984. I would assume from like the, the teeth. Yeah. Because um, at that time they didn't have DNA because you can test it from the bones, can't you? Mm-hmm. Um, near the remains, detectives also discovered a blue nylon jacket, a blanket, oh. a pair of Levi Strauss jeans with a missing back pocket, an empty surgical tape dispenser, which connects it to the Ketty murders because this, the um, there was a bunch of surgical tape with the same dispensers at the crime scene. <coughs> um, in 1996... Robert Joseph Silva Jr. was examined as a potential suspect in the murders. The cabin in which the murders uh, um, occurred was, like we said, demolished in 2004. And a 2008 documentary on the murders, Marilyn is her name, Smart claimed that she suspected her husband Martin and his friend John Bow, you, uh, whatever, just Bow were responsible for the murders of Sue, John, Dana, and Tina. Marilyn claimed that on the evening of the uh, crimes, she left uh, Martin and Bo at a local bar around 11 p.m. and returned home to go to sleep. Around 2 a.m. on April 12th, she stated she awoke to find the two burning an unknown item in the wood stove. Probably blood-splattered clothes. She also alleged that Martin hated Johnny Star- Sharp with a passion. How the fuck are you going to be a grown man and hate a 15-year-old? He's 15. Right. right. I mean, what the- However, in the 2008 documentary, Sheriff Doug said he had personally interviewed Martin and that he had passed a polygraph. Right. So they, they were friends. They were friends. <clears throat> Martin died of cancer in 2000. Good riddance. Bo, who allegedly had ties to organized crime in Chicago, died there in 1988. On March 24th, 2016, a hammer matching the description of the one Martin claimed to have lost was discovered in a local pond and taken into evidence. If it's in a pond, would there be any evidence still on it? I don't know, probably. I mean, I guess if it if it had like some kind of if it wasn't just like a wooden handle and it had like a rubber handles something could have got down in the handle maybe the new county sheriff who was 16 at the time of the murders and knew the sharp family personally stated the location it was found it that's what i said location location. my bad the location it was found it would have had to have been intentionally put there it would not have accidentally been misplaced no it got chucked it got thrown he also stated that at the time Six potential suspects were being examined. In 2016 article published by the Sacramento Bee detailing the discovery of the hammer, shortly after the murders, Martin had left Ketty and driven to Reno, Nevada. From there, he sent a letter to Marilyn, um, you know, mo- re- you know, moaning about personal struggles um, and depression and all this stuff. So he left, like right after. That's, which is kind of suspect. 
um, and whined about their marriage and problems in their marriage. And he concluded with, I've paid the price of your love and now I've brought it. Now I've bought it with four people's lives. So he was referring to Sue, the boys, and, and Tina. And Tina. Yeah. Um, in a 2016 interview, uh, Gamberg stated that the letter was overlooked in the internal investigation and never admitted as evidence. How the fuck do you overlook something like that? <laughs> he admitted to killing four uh, people. He didn't come out and say it, but yeah, you, can, you can infer that. What, what else does it mean? I've paid the price of your love and now I've bought it with four people's lives. Kind of convenient that there's four people that died in the Ketty thing. Just seems suspect. A counselor who Martin regularly visited would also allege that he had admitted to the murders of Sue and Tina, but claimed, I didn't have anything to do with the boys. So, Bo, I guess, would have killed the boys. He allegedly told the counselor that Tina was killed to prevent her from identifying him as she had witnessed the whole thing. In April of 2018, um, Gamebury stated that DNA evidence recovered from a piece of tape at the crime scene matched that of a known living person. Didn't they also, <clears throat> I could be wrong, but didn't we watch a documentary that said they actually took a whole ass wall out of the cabin because of blood splatter and the fact that there were like stab wounds in the wall and then this whole ass wall with all this evidence on it disappears yes it's gone how do you lose a whole ass wall oh, it's easy I mean it, that, obviously they were trying to uh, protect their friend someone who probably I know that even that sheriff had, the old sheriff had even said that oh yeah we weren't friends we just knew each other Oh, yeah, but it, it was proven that they, that they actually were actually were, really close friends. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you got the rumor going around that Tina was actually pregnant, and that it could have been um, that what was it, Martin, Martin or Bo? It could have yeah. been one of them, and that's why Tina was taken. Um, and then you know you've also got the more likely scenario that the husband's pissed off. That's what I think happened. That Sue was telling Marilyn how to get out. Right. But I, I do think the Tina thing is, is weird. Why are you going to take her? Why not just kill her there? I think they wanted to make it look like it was an abduction. They wanted to make it look like it was an abduction. And not a hit, I guess. Well, <coughs> because I think they knew that conclusions could be drawn that he was pissed off at Sue. So he wanted to get as far away from it as possible. Correct. By saying... Well, yeah, I might have been pissed off at her, but why would I take Tina? Right. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, I think that is a distinct possibility. Um, I do think it was planned, but I think it was just planned for Sue. I think the rest of it just kind of happens. Because they walked in. And then they had to kind of come up with a plan, you know, to make it look like this. You know. Because at that point, they could have already had Sue tied up. Right. And I think... As far as the kids not hearing anything or the boys not being touched, I think that was all part of it. And it was traumatic for them. Because it, the, it was his stepson that was in there. So, but then again, I mean, you would think that if you're trying to cover up the fact that you had anything to do with and it. And I think that the one thing that you didn't mention was the composite drawings. Yeah, it was like if you folded them in half and took the head of one and or the top half of one and put it with the bottom half of the other it looked like on both up. it looked like the two guys now uh, in a court of law that's not going to hold up however it is weird pretty suspect right and again it could be that he's like i know they did it but i have to to protect myself make it look like they didn't so he just made them look like each other or something the most damning evidence is Unless he was just a braggart and was just trying to make and intimidate his ex or his soon-to-be ex, the letter he sent. Or to make her fear him. Yeah. Because, look, I mean, if I killed four people, he's to say, I'm not going to kill you. That's the most damning, I think. Just, I mean, what else could you have meant by it? Other and then what that? were you burning in the wood stove? Right. And then the bloody jacket found 
And it was Tina's jacket because she had seen it on Tina. Yeah, she'd seen a, the bloody jacket. She gave it to the police. And then it just disappeared. Disappeared. Don't You're hiding that. something. If not, why the hell? We have a wall. That's gone. We have a jacket. Gone. We and have, a 911 call that just. All gone. It's not gone. It just got buried because oh. it was eventually found. Well, that's convenient too. And like 2013 or 14, right. I think they found it. It's all very convenient. All of that. I think it's corrupt. It's bullshit. I think that they know exactly who did it. I think this new sheriff is probably. There's probably some political ties to it too. Well, I don't know if it's political. Well, it could be, I guess, because if the old sheriff knew who did it and did nothing about it, that that's gonna look. That's gonna be a bad look. But I think if anybody's going to solve it, it'll probably be him. Um, and I think, he, didn't he even say that, that that murder was the reason why he went into law enforcement? Yep. Uh, because he wants to be the one that solved it. Because it was mishandled. It was very mishandled. Yeah, I mean, it, that, that to me seems like an open and shut case. You had the motive. You admitted to missing a hammer. What's this fucking letter? I mean, to me... And then, I think the other thing that would... Where the fuck did you did you have access to surgical tape? See, that's the question I asked. Well, where, where, uh, the where surgical you... tape because each cabin had like um, because it's they they were labeled as resort cabins. Each cabin had a first aid kit, so they're saying that medical tape came from first aid kits. It's like the tape that you would find in a first aid kit. Johnson and Johnson should be very proud. Well, haven't they done a bunch of messed up stuff? I'm just saying. But yeah, I think that's where the medical tape came from. And finding the same medical tape dispenser where Tina was at pretty much guarantees that whoever was at the Ketty scene was the same person that had Tina because it was the same dispenser. I don't think Tina was involved in it in any way. I don't think that she was... This was set up for her to go be with her lover or it was an attempted... Or an onion. They can't even prove that she did, I don't in think fact, it was, I don't think it was a drug deal gone bad because it doesn't seem like it. The personal matter of the murder, the rage-driven, that to me seems like someone who has anger issues. Directed at Sue. Directed at women. But Sue. Yeah, because why? I mean, you take her pants off and leave her like that to humiliate her. Right. And then it's just added humiliation to take her panties, stuff it in her mouth, put a bandana over her mouth, and then tape it all closed. Right. That, to me, is very personal. And, I mean, they said that um, during the autopsies and stuff that this tape and these wires were so tight that they actually had to cut them. And it left indentions and, like, bruising behind. Even the tape was on so bad that it was, like, indented into right. their skin. And the whole idea was they were going to murder her. Mm-hmm. I mean, they knew that. I think the boys had got a quick death because they they were just there. They didn't know they were going to be there, and they were in the way. Well, I mean, I'd say the one that got the quickest would have been John because he got his throat slashed. But before that, how many times? It doesn't say how many times they each got hit in the head with a hammer. I'm sure it does, but I didn't see it because um, they repeatedly. It was enough for a blunt force trauma to also be a cause of death. And I mean, it's a hammer, so maybe one hit did it, but I don't think that's the case. One hit might, if it's hit in the right spot, knock you out. I don't think it'll ever be solved. Well, the new DNA evidence, maybe, but that new DNA evidence could have also been somebody that just happened to be there. What the fuck are you going to do with it? Well, no, I'm saying the DNA evidence might not have been from the killer at all. It could have been from, like, a cop at the scene paramedics at the scene um just somebody investigating the scene i mean you know your your best chance for evidence was the wall that disappeared yeah yeah maybe even sue because at that time you didn't collect dna evidence <clears throat> no at that time you didn't because it was the early 80s you wouldn't have even thought about so it her clothes would have been a source of and if there was evidence. no sexual aspect to it i mean now i know rape cases and stuff like that serial murder cases and stuff like that that had semen present that was saved and they saved it the best way they could I mean I'm sure some had deteriorated um, but I know that there's still some of those from different cases but there was nothing like that yeah but the likelihood that you're stabbing that hard and you don't cut yourself 
Right, there had to be blood evidence. That's what I'm saying. On the clothes of the victims, the the perpetrator's blood. There had to be. I would think so. Yeah, now that you're thinking about it. Yeah. And and, and we don't have any of that. Uh, I think it all (laughs) was conveniently disposed of. Yeah, because, I mean, they were saying that it also looked like for that to have bit, it would have had to have stabbed down, hit a bone, and the way they pulled it out would have bent it. And, I mean, you would have had to have... You had to have cut yourself. There had to be some sort of injury. Even if it's just shedding some skin cells. Somewhere. So, I, I don't know. And I, I can't remember hearing if either one of those guys... Not that they would have had that technology then, but it'd be helpful if you still had their clothes in a bag somewhere. Well, and I can't remember if they had said that there were any kind of little wounds on the guys' hands, the prime suspects. Yeah, see, that would have been something to look forward to. Right? I mean, yeah. Let me see your hands. Let me see, you know. I think you would have definitely found something. But then again, they could have said, you know, because of where they were at, they could have said that they hurt themselves cutting wood or... Yeah, but you had the murder weapons. You didn't have the hammer, but you had the knives. You had so, the knives and a hammer, but they're saying multiple hammers were used. Uh, and it, they said it seems fishy that... The hammer the one guy lost just happened to be found in a pond yeah. in 2016. Yeah, nobody threw that. We stole it so we could throw it in there. Yeah, I mean, what the hell? It makes no sense. What kind no. of fucking hammer is this? Is it Thor's? Come on. Well, Thor wouldn't leave his hammer in a pond. Right. Well, that's what that's my take on it anyway. Yeah, it's it's gonna be like the Velisca. You're never gonna know no. who did it. I mean, you might pretty sure you know who did it it was more than likely martin and Bo. yeah <clears throat> but they're both dead so even if you figure it out it's them you yeah, can't so really do anything matter? i mean it gives the family that's left peace of mind or knowing that they are the ones that killed your your mom and brother and sister yeah. well that's it for this afternoon's episode yep. it was a good one research good job um keep tuning in we're not sure what we're doing next but uh it'll be a surprise yeah see you next time bye